well, what medication do you need and what can you add in in support of that to really allow you to become more of an active participant in your own well-being and less of a passive consumer of healthcare. And I think that's such an encouraging and empowering idea that you can become an active participant of your own well-being, that you can take more ownership of your own health journey through the everyday choices and decisions that you make. And really small changes can make a really big difference over time. I'm Dr. Mark Rowe and welcome to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. As a family physician, my expertise is supporting people in the areas of positive health and lifestyle medicine. Join me in conversations that share life lessons, health habits, and leadership practices, focusing on positive psychology, lifestyle medicine, and ways that enable you to live with more vitality on purpose. Appreciating that when it comes to your vitality, that everything is so interconnected. Episodes will air weekly, and you can find me wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, on my website, drmarkrow.com. As a practicing family doctor with expertise in lifestyle as medicine, my purpose is to encourage and support you in terms of positive health, personal growth, and all things well-being. As I say, to never stop starting. Each month on a live webinar, I teach learning by doing and learning by being. The why and the how of health enhancing habits, giving you the science as well as support strategies to live with more vitality. I'd like to invite you to join my self-development club. To learn more and to sign up, visit drmarkrow.com. When I went to medical school more than 30 years ago, the emphasis was very much on disease and on illness. I mean, there really was so much to learn about so many different health conditions. And it was very much the emphasis that genetics were really, really important, that to a large degree, your DNA was your destiny, that that your DNA was set in stone. And there really was very little emphasis on the role of positive lifestyle habits, apart from the obvious stopping smoking, etc. And at that time, you know, the World Health Organization had already come out to say that Health is more than the absence of disease, but a state of complete physical, mental and relational well-being. I think when we were in first year in medical school, we we kind of got that definition put up on an acetate in the lecture hall. But that was it. That's where that notion of well-being was left. And, you know, I'm really excited that over the last, I suppose, 10 or 15 years, I've been able to give an increasing amount of my own professional time to, I think, really encouraging and supporting people in whatever capacity to enhance and improve their well-being and their lived experience. Because really, that is a much broader definition of health, which, of course, is the greatest asset we all have. And, you know, lifestyle medicine is this really old idea I mean, Hippocrates said, if you're in a bad mood, go for a walk. If you're still in a bad mood, go for another walk. Let food be your medicine. Let medicine be your food. These are really, really old ideas. These go back to the philosophers thousands of years ago, but they're now back in vogue again. And the reason they're back in vogue again is because there's a growing body of science that shows that lifestyle changes, positive lifestyle changes can make a real difference to your health span. In other words, the number of years you stay healthy and to your lifespan, 
the chances of you living to a ripe old age, that term for this is longevity. And perhaps better than any of these factors, improving and enhancing the quality of your lived experience, how you think and feel day in and day out. And, you know, lifestyle medicine for me, it's as much a, a mindset change as it is a habit change. It's a mindset change to say to yourself, less emphasis on pills and more emphasis on on skills and lifestyle habits. Now, you know, I, I'm a scientist. I've been a family doctor. I feel it's such a privileged uh, role that I have for almost 30 years. And of course, medicine is fantastic. Medicine can be life-saving. Antibiotics can be incredibly effective for, for sepsis, for pneumonia, for severe infections. Medicine can be absolutely life-saving. My grandfather, whom I never had the privilege of meeting, DJ, really was one of my heroes growing up. I heard so much about him. He was he was a doctor. He was a, a family doctor. And tragically, he died from complications of rheumatic fever, which was an infection he picked up as a teenager. And, you know, there was no penicillin available back then, which would have cured his rheumatic fever and prevented the later life limiting complications that impacted his heart and gave him a condition called mitral stenosis, which ultimately led to his death. So, you know, Lifestyle medicine is not this idea that you're going to abandon uh, traditional medical options, but you're going to say you're going to take the best of both. And it's neither just about pills. It's seeing well, what medication do you need and what can you add in in support of that to really allow you to become more of an active participant in your own well-being and less of a passive consumer of healthcare. And I think that's such an encouraging and empowering idea that you can become an active participant of your own well-being, that you can take more ownership of your own health journey through the everyday choices and decisions that you make. And really small changes can make a really big difference over time. And, you know, lifestyle medicine is defined as those positive lifestyle changes that can not just prevent chronic health conditions. And, you know, we've got a tsunami of chronic health conditions now from diabetes to dementia to heart disease. But you can also effectively treat them and sometimes even reverse them. That's incredibly exciting. Lifestyle medicine traditionally has six separate pillars, and these include exercise and movement, nutritious food, restorative sleep, embracing and recharging from stress, building strong, supportive interpersonal relationships, and number six, avoiding noxious substances like cigarette smoking, binge drinking, and other illegal drugs. And on top of that, I'd add in a, a seventh pillar, which is really spending your time in health-enhancing environments. And for me, I really always think of, of nature because time in nature can be so incredibly beneficial and restorative for our well-being. And all of this is really underpinned by a strong sense of purpose, knowing that who you are in the world uh, really, really does matter, that you feel connected, that you feel on purpose, that you are in whatever small way you are making a difference. And 
what's really interesting is the more of these lifestyle changes you can bring into your everyday lived experience, the better. If you can bring in a, a little, it will help you. A little, if you can bring in a lot, it'll help you a lot more. And this wonderful new study that I want to share with you has just come out. It's a study based on the Million Veteran Program involving about 720,000 US veterans aged between 40 and 99 years of age. And it was considered to be a pretty representative sample. And they looked at eight separate habits that could add perhaps up to 24 years to your life. And these eight habits really are the six habits I've already mentioned in terms of lifestyle as medicine. They've taken avoiding smoking, avoiding binge drinking and not being addicted to opioids. They've given those three, whereas that would be one in the in the in the lifestyle as medicine in terms of avoiding noxious substances. So they've got not smoking, avoiding binge drinking, not being addicted to opioids, as well as obviously being physically active, managing stress eating a healthy diet, having a good sleep routine and having positive, strong social interpersonal relationships. And what this data has shown is that people who adopted all eight of these measures were 13% less likely to die during the study period of eight years with a, a relative reduction in all-cause mortality of 87%. And the mortality rate went down as the number of healthy habits they incorporated increased. So just to kind of break down those numbers a little bit, what this research has shown is that if you're age 40 and you add in one extra positive health behavior, you will add about four and a half years to your life expectancy. If you add in a second one, you'll add seven years. Add in a third, you'll add 8.6 years. Add in all eight, you'll bring in up to 24 extra years. If you start this at age 50, you can add in on average an extra 21 years. Started at age 60, you can add in an extra 18 years. So this is showing that, you know, bringing positive lifestyle changes into your everyday habits can make a real difference to your health span, lifespan and lived experience. For women, the data was slightly different to men. Adding in one positive behavior for women added 3.5 years. Bringing in two added eight years. Bringing in three added 12.6 years. And for women, adding all eight at the age of 40 added 22.6 extra years. So that's really, really interesting data that shows that adding in positive lifestyle health behaviors has a significant benefit on your lifespan. Furthermore, in this research, they rank them. Now, you can you can argue the toss as to whether ranking these factors is that important. But here we go. Number one, exercise. Exercise, as I say, the greatest pill of all. This research showed it reduced your risk of death from any cause compared to non-exercisers by almost 50%, a 40% reduced reduction. And of course, exercise is not just about movement. It's great to get up off the couch. It's great to walk. Every step counts. But exercise also includes staying strong, 
lifting some weights two to three times a week because building muscle mass and reversing age-related muscle decline is perhaps the leading indicator of your biological aging. It, it's tremendous to support long-term enhanced well-being. It has a whole range of benefits on your brain functioning, your brain capacity, your mitochondrial capacity to enable you to increase your energy and vitality and providing a really effective resilience buffer for the brain. Obviously, some aerobic exercise, you know, we we say talk but not sing. So you're sweating a little bit, a little bit of cardio, getting your heart rate up into a safe, effective zone that enables you to really reap the benefits from exercise as medicine. Of course, other research has shown that, you know, exercise can be as good as a, at least 10 separate medications. It really is the greatest pill of all. It's so good for your physical, mental and emotional health to exercise, to move and to really reap the benefits of all that extra vitality. Number two was obviously not being addicted to opioids. I mean, that's just such a disaster um, to be uh, drug dependent in that way and something that requires specialist help and intervention. Thirdly, never smoking, uh, reduced mortality by 29%. What I would say, if you're, if you're a smoker, it's never too late to stop. The best day to stop is today and there are significant long-term positive benefits from stopping smoking. Number four was learning to better and more effectively manage stress that reduced early mortality and by by 22 percent. And it's so interesting, you know, stress, as I say, is neither good nor bad. It's how we respond to stress. It's how we recharge from stress. And I suppose in today's world, people can be incredibly stressed for all sorts of reasons and Learning to spend time in stillness, learn, learning to slow down, learning to really engage with the relaxation response, whether that's a yoga practice, particularly yoga nidra, mindful-based breathing exercises, meditation, or simply sitting in stillness and in silence, spending time in nature. All of these things and many more can enable you to really recharge at a deep level from stress uh, to unplug. I call them micro moments of positivity that become circuit breakers to the negative impacts of cortisol, the stress hormone on your well-being. And just having some of these circuit breakers in your routine can be so, so effective to stop stress turning into toxic stress, building up and having a, a negative impact on your long term health and well-being. Number five was obviously about the benefits of nutrition. And, you know, it, it was not about being vegan or vegetarian, simply a plant rich diet. Classically, the Mediterranean approach is the considered probably the optimal nutritional approach for most people. And that idea of eating a, a color, a rainbow of color, a wide variety of colors in your food. Think beetroot and blueberries, true to red peppers, perhaps 30 separate plant-based foods over a week. And that really has significant benefits. You know, separate research has shown, uh, just to say, 
uh, the Journal of the American Medical Association. You eat 10% more ultra-processed foods in your diet and you increase your mortality rate 14%. Just think about that for a minute. Research from The Lancet, each portion of extra vegetables you eat reduces your risk of stroke by 3%. Each extra portion of fruit you eat reduces you your risk of stroke by... Each extra portion of fruit you eat reduces your risk of stroke by 11%. Number six... Avoid binge drinking, you know, alcohol, I call it a good servant, but it's a very bad master. And I meet a lot of people as a family doctor who, just for all sorts of reasons, alcohol really gets a toxic grip on their on their health and well-being. It can creep up on people very slowly, very insidiously, but it can have a cascading negative number of negative effects on your physical health, your mental well-being, your emotional well-being. And, you know, this research specifically looked at avoiding binge drinking, which is defined as maybe four units of alcohol at a time. And that seemed to reduce your uh, lifespan by 19%. So it's just important to be mindful that even one drink is one drink too many for some people. But for some people, it can be a good servant. And certainly in many of the Mediterranean zones, a glass of wine in the context of good company with a meal um, can be part of that Mediterranean program. So we're all different and there is no one size fits all. But there is incontrovertible evidence that more alcohol is definitely bad for your health and well-being. Number seven was sleep. And of course, we know so much now that not getting enough sleep, depriving yourself of quality sleep. So many negative impacts on your long-term health and well-being. And number eight was having positive social relationships that improved your longevity by by 5%. And, you know, other research has shown that, you know, positive relationships are the leading indicator of your well-being, the famous Harvard study of adult development. I think there's incontrovertible evidence now that feeling lonely, feeling excluded, feeling disconnected and isolated can be so incredibly bad for you. So, you know, learning to reach out more, be more of a beginner, take those baby steps to build new friendships, consolidate and reinforce existing friendships can really make a world of a difference. These factors these lifestyle factors for your well-being, they're all really interconnected. You know, I have my vitality, uh, hand of vitality model in my book, The Vitality Mark, where I really discuss how emotion and physical and spiritual and mental aspects of your well-being are really all interconnected, all connected to strong interpersonal relationships and underpinned by a strong sense of purpose and really that small positive changes in one aspect can have a compound benefit on all the others and really that's what I want to say to you is that while this research I've just described showed an association and it actually wasn't a direct cause and effect it really does add to the growing body of evidence that positive lifestyle changes can make a significant difference to your health span and to your lived experience. And what I want to say to you is really it's about small changes 
It's about being focused on progress, not being perfect. And it's about simply starting, starting small, but starting today. You know, the best time to plant a tree 30 years ago, the next best time is today. Start with the, you know, the awkwardness and the imperfections that today brings. Just start small. Perhaps it'll be that first walk around the block. Perhaps it'll be the first weight session you do. The first day you choose to eat a side salad with your dinner. Some extra portions of fruit or berries. Some time in stillness or in nature. The time you start a mindful breathing exercise to recharge from stress. Time today for more fun or more flow experiences. Time to keep a gratitude journal, perhaps, to write down three things you feel grateful for. Or time to have a great conversation with an old friend. It's all about starting. That's the message of Lifestyle is Medicine that I want to share with you. Never stop starting. Educate, empower and encourage you to take better care of your health, take better care of your well-being, to treat yourself as you would your own best friend with the same patience and empathy and care and love and respect. Become that active participant in your own well-being as opposed to simply being a passive consumer of healthcare. Never stop starting. Increase your health span, enhance your well-being and choose to live with more vitality. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. For further resources to support you to live with more vitality, please visit my website, drmarkrow.com.